Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 Hoops cast. I'm Brian Christofferson. I'm joined by Michael Brunts. And uh, I don't know about you, Michael, but this is nice. Like, this is nice. We've got uh, a Husker basketball program that has got our full attention. That's got people, like, talking about could they play in Omaha? Could they play over here? Could they a nine seed, ten seed? Did you see this guy where he had him? I can't believe that. And, um, you know, we love doing the football stuff in the off season. We're still doing the football stuff with the, all these, you know, you're going through right now, position groups and everything, but it's nice. It's nice to have, have this rolling into March where, uh, there's, there's a chance to actually go dancing and we've got that conversation. Yeah. I've paid more attention to Bart Torvik the last week or so than I would have ever thought coming into this season. <laughs> So it's a nice change and we're still a month away from football spring practice starting. This will be a nice little diversion as it seemed, I mean, game by game, this thing's becoming more real. They're, they're, they're on a little bit of a heater at the right time, which we can get into here, but yeah, it's fun. I like, I like uh February basketball when there's something to worry about. Is Bart your go-to guy? Is he your go-to like uh pro- numbers guy for for college hoops I, I i like he's he's the 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 basketball analyst for the spreadsheet guy i feel like okay. he's got all the numbers laid out lenardi's a little bit more like i'm going to type this up on a word document and send it out he's like um, more my speed yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's got it like on the back of a napkin um <laughs> but no i i i appreciate the the torvik and he's we can talk about this later but he's uh He's taken a shine to to Nebraska a little bit the last couple of games here. At least, at least his spreadsheet is. Him and John Beeline. I mean, the minute the former Michigan coach was just, uh, he's like, I wish I could coach this team. I thought he was maybe going to try to just knock Fred right out of his chair. Like, I, I think I'll take it from here, Fred. I like this club. I like what I like their moxie. Let's let's go. Um, after the win on Sunday, the now an analyst for BTN man, he had some glowing things to say about the Oscars. Is is the the volume and degree to which the Big Ten Network talks about your program is that a good sign? Like that that's a pretty good temperature of kind of temperature read of kind of where your team's at, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like a couple of weeks ago everybody was kind of talking about Nebraska a little bit on there because they had to because they just 
that broadcasted the game. They, they'd sent you know Kevin Kugler or whoever to to Lincoln, and they had to they, they had to talk about it to justify the cost. But now it's like uh, it's effusive praise. Even even the color analysts that I, I would say are a little bit harder to win over are, yeah. are all of a sudden on the bandwagon. Yeah, I'm gonna sound like that guy who's like they're not talking about my Vikings enough now um, here on on ESPN. But uh, yeah, I would say that's true. Like even last week, I noticed um, there was a little bit more shine. I felt like to the Gophers, like what the Gophers had going. Um, and I, I think people in Nebraska's program, some players notice that stuff. And, um, well, this is a great segue into Sunday's game, which Nebraska won 73 to 55, by the way. But I was listening to Jamarcus Lawrence do an interview on the Huskers uh, radio network last night. And, uh, he mentioned, I guess I didn't know this, but there was a little bit of a, something from that first game in Minneapolis that stuck with the guys. Like he meant like a minor altercation. I don't want to build it up into something. It's not, but like it, he, he mentioned it and said it was, it was with them. And so, uh, yeah, they were, uh, they, they came out and, um, you know, I could tell from the first, um, three to four minutes of that game, like, they had it on defense. It was just like, they've got that edge where it's going to be very difficult for Minnesota to get into their offensive uh, set at all. Um, ben Johnson said as much after the game it was hard to even get entry passes in that were basic for them. And um, it was just an impressive, like want to kind of performance. Like the shooting wasn't great. Nebraska was only 39% from the field in the win. Um, you had like four of your main shooters go 0 for 11 from behind the arc and yet you win going away. And, you know, I was kind of defensive about the win over Penn state. I thought it was like a good sign, even though people thought it wasn't the most pretty game. Um, they kind of followed up off of that one, Bruns, with how they played against Minnesota. It was just like such high end, um, energy on the defensive end. Um, if they're playing that kind of ball on that, that end of the floor, uh, they're going to be tough the rest of the way. I like the idea of going back to what you're saying about Jamarcus Russ or Jamarcus Lawrence having a, a LeBradford Smith moment. Like s- somebody from Minnesota did something, and and you know that that just blows up into this huge thing, like Michael Jordan used to do. But I digress. <laughs> um, no, it two games in a row, Nebraska's you know not looked great offensively out of the shoot and. You know, I the the first what like nine ten minutes of that game against Minnesota, you know, Nebraska looked okay on offense. They they were getting good shots. I felt like they just weren't going down. Um, but the the defensive efforts there, and, and it's been that way even before the Penn State game a little bit. I mean, it felt like before that and earlier in the year, you kind of saw it in fits and spurts where it's like, okay, this can be, you know a good defensive team if they really kind of dedicate themselves to it. What do you kind of attribute the change though to, I mean, it just, it seems like something's flipped. I don't know if it's the kind of change in roles. You know, I I really like what they've done with kind of the bigger lineup right out of the gates. Um, You know, I I think that's something that gives teams issues with some of the length that they have, Mm -hmm. but what, what do you kind of think the, the the kind of X factors been over the last four or five games that's kind of allowed them to to 
just be really kind of a tough team to score against. I don't know if Fred would use different terminology than this, but basically I feel like they crash so hard. Like when, you know, when the, when they come with their double, um, that guy is coming with so much intensity right now and making it so disruptive. Like even if the guy gets the ball entered into him, uh, immediately they're swarming in a way and being just so alive, like with their hands and everything, like it's going to be a difficult pass out of that to, for your next uh, option on the play for the offense. So it just feels like, um, the activity is, um, at such an intense level right now. And I thought Ben Johnson had one of the most interesting quotes I've heard from an opposing coach um, covering or, you know, again, after playing Nebraska. Um, and he talked about that's what desperation like looks like. That's what it's supposed to, you know, uh, be. And, and it was just interesting after years and years of hearing, um, opposing coaches come in and have these niceties that are said after a tough Husker loss where you're like, yeah, thanks for that. But everybody knows that the record's 10 and 14 or whatever it is. This was a legit like deal where the opposing coach wasn't perturbed at his own team so much as just saying like, okay, that's kind of a buzzsaw right now, like how much they want it. And that's going to actually be the example for my team of like how much we're going to have to want it to get there. And Minnesota, I mean, if they, Minnesota wins that game, they're a half game ahead of Nebraska in the standings, you know, in the Big Ten. And so it's not like they're, they're on a way different plane. But for that night when everything really was on the line um, for the Gophers um, and their postseason sort of aspirations, Nebraska just like it was true. Like I knew exactly what he was saying. He knew at halftime they were down only eight points, but – Nebraska had this um, enthusiasm on the defensive end of the floor and knew what they wanted to do so well that it was going to be very tough for, for Minnesota to get going in that game. And um, yeah, since February 1st, they're like top five in some defense metrics nationally. And if you think back, this is the same team where in early January and some stuff, there were games like against Wisconsin and Madison where it was like, wide open jumpers, you know, and people were like, how are they ever going to get through this league with, with that kind of defense? That was like the, the talk out of that game. And so they've really flipped a switch on that side. Yeah. That I, the, the game at Iowa, it kind of felt that way too, where it was like, they didn't even want to beat like whatever the, the opposite of desperation is. That's, yes. that's kind of what it felt like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Just kind of going off of like, I mean, it, it was a it was a slow start offensively, but a guy that always stands out to me for various reasons is Josiah Alec. Like he always has like three or four plays a game where it's a hustle play, it gets everybody going. I mean, how how much is in your mind has he kind of meant to this team? Because I mean, he he kind of plays like. He plays desperate. I mean, he plays like mm -hmm. a guy that's like towards the end of his career that wants something good to happen. And I, I think there is kind of an infectiousness to that 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 uh, they kind of pick up on. Yeah, and he's a guy who I think, too, since, you know, mid-January or something has really changed in the fact that 
he's never going to be like an awesome scorer, like a guy when he lines up to shoot that three from the corner, you're always kind of like, no, no, no. And then once in a while, you know, you're like, all right, yeah, that's fine. Nice shot. You know? Yeah. Um, but he's been more authoritative too, like, uh, around the rim. I, I feel like the last five or six games, you know, when he does have those chances, um, he's cashing them in. Like he's not doing that extra move and spinning around and losing the ball, like was happening, I think earlier in the season. And so I think he's, uh, been a lot more defined in what he wants to do offensively around the basket when he gets those chances. And, uh, yeah, he's just such a fascinating player cause he's always kind of fallen all over the place. And sometimes you're like, oh, how's this going to work out? But it does. And, um, you know, he had the one missed dunk on the alley-oop, which was too bad, but he made up for it. You know, he had the play I thought, which was the signature play of the game where Nebraska plays like 25 seconds of great defense, but Minnesota actually breaks it down. Looks like they're going to have a drive to get a foul or, or a bucket and Alec stuffs it at the rim. And then rink mass saves it one handed flying over the cameraman to Bryce who feeds Gary, who hits the three. And um, that was like the game in a snapshot right there. It was just like that type of defensive effort, giving him nothing easy, um, not letting the ball go out of bounds, making the extra play to keep it and then finishing it. And Alex started it. And then he was the one, of course, who had the bucket plus one where he got really hammered on the flagrant. Um, the game wasn't like getting dicey, but Minnesota had scored a few and it was down to 15 with about six minutes left. So it was like, all right, you know, that little bit of uneasiness. And it, it sort of said, no, not this one's done. So he was he was big in all those moments, and he's kind of had a knack for that lately. And I do think other guys really feed off of it. Like, um, if he's going this hard, I'm going that hard, you know, that sort of thing. That Minnesota game was one that you were kind of kind of sneaky worried about, wasn't it? I think it's been – I know this is a gushing podcast right now, but, I mean, they won four in a row by 15-plus, and I, I just think – um, we can't take for granted that they're nine and zero in the league at home. Like, yeah, they're, they're a tough outfit there, but it's still hard to keep your nose completely clean and not get dinged one time there. And, you know, knock on wood, they got to go do it against Rutgers on Sunday too, to finish it off. But we're talking about the best, that'll be the best home season in uh Husker history wins wise, if they win on Sunday. And um, yeah, I, I think Minnesota was a, is, was a tough matchup going in. I thought they were playing amongst the top five teams in the league. Um, the talk they were getting last week from the BTN guys was warranted. They were, I mean, they were up 10 on Purdue um, in the second half at Purdue. They were up 20 at Iowa and they lost both those games. So it is, it's an L, but they're that kind of team where they're capable of, um, you know, they can get up on you and they came in with one of the best assist guys in the country and Elijah Hawkins. And he had no assists with like eight minutes left in the game and ended with two. So, um, I thought it was going to be a challenging matchup. And then 10 minutes into the game, even though the score was like nine to nine, I just thought Nebraska's got this. Cause it, it just felt like they'll, they'll get it on the offensive end enough and the defense was so dialed in. It, I just had a hard time imagining it was going to go another way. Three regular season games left. Um, and, and then obviously the Big Ten tournament. You, you've been pretty dialed in on the Big Ten tournament seeding stuff. 
Do we want to hit on that a little bit before? Yeah, we uh, can. Before before <clears throat> what Bart has to say about things, and uh, <laughs> um, where do things stand now for Nebraska? I mean, what do you kind of see as the ideal mm-hmm. for them going into? I mean, you, you still got to you got to do something in Minnesota in, in Minneapolis, I think. But what what's the what's the picture look like for Nebraska right now with three games left? Um, to get into the dance, like to say, like we're not gonna worry about this, or just for the Big Ten tournament. Let's let's go Big Ten tournament first because <clears> I think I think yeah. there's still a lot to be decided there. Yeah, well, right now Nebraska's in fifth place as we do this podcast, um, a half game behind. Uh, both Northwestern and Wisconsin. Northwestern and Wisconsin each have four games left. Nebraska has three. Um, Nebraska's good in the tiebreaker scenarios as I've, I know they're good like head to head against Northwestern and Wisconsin. Purdue and we won't get all into it, but Purdue ends up factoring into this and Nebraska's win over them is helpful in those tiebreakers. But if there's a three-way tie, I believe it then goes to the, um, like within your group of three teams, like how do you fare against one another and what's your total record? And I think if you spit those numbers out, Wisconsin um, would have an edge over Nebraska, but Nebraska would have an edge over Northwestern because Wisconsin Northwestern only played once and Wisconsin won it. And so I believe Nebraska sits good. Long story short, in a three-way tiebreaker too, where you can get in the double buys, like the four seed. So the tiebreakers are good. I still think Nebraska has to win two of three at least. And it's still not a given because um, I look at Wisconsin Northwestern schedules and I know the Badgers have scuffled and all that, but um, it's not like they can't get it done. Wisconsin still does have to play at Purdue, um, but there's other things. I, I think they, they can, they could win a few still here to get to like 13. Um, I'm looking at Northwestern. They still have to play at Maryland and at Michigan State, and they host Iowa and Minnesota. So those aren't easy games um, for Northwestern. The road games are, are always tough, but then those you know those are two tough home games. The way I was playing, and I was trying to work their way into the conversation. So I think from Nebraska's end, win two, and I would. If I had to bet, I could think that could get them at least a four seed, but there's no guarantee of it. So one, two, a three, and I think there's a, a good shot, but it's not uh, it's not settled in stone. So still work the to double do. Buy. Yeah, still work to do there. Um, kind of an interesting one coming up this week against Ohio State, who all of a sudden is playing decent basketball, playing some passionate basketball. They're a talented team anyways. I mean, that was kind of the thing that, the talent was there, it just for whatever reason, with, with Holtman wasn't really clicking there. They made the change. Um, interim head coach. That's a potential quad one win for Nebraska on the road right now. Do you, th- I mean, is that, is it as simple to say like, okay, if you go and get Ohio State, like you're sitting pretty right there? Like, I mean, that that's another kind of feather in the cap in, in the quad one games for Nebraska which I believe they would be five and six in quad one games at that point. So, I mean, it, it's, well, it's, it's fraught with, with uh, potential issues, but it's a potential big win if they can get it done on the road again. Uh, it'd be huge. Um, 
yeah, I, I we're getting to the point where everyone wants to say, well, they're in now. And I, I actually like the fact for this team that the goalposts keep moving, like sort of like you feel like by the time you get to game day each time, it's like, well, what if they lose this one? Yeah. You know, people are a little worried about it. I think that's sort of a good edge, though, to keep on your team where you feel like you're always having to prove yourself, you know. Um, and it's interesting, like, I'm not um, here to fight the system or whatever, but it is funny how like certain programs get talked like Michigan state's on a three game skid and it's sort of like, yeah, they'll still get in as an eight or nine, you know, (laughs) in Nebraska, it feels like if they get dinged one time, uh, everybody's going to want to have that conversation (laughs) about where they belong. Um, but, uh, Ohio state, the good part is, um, because it is a quad one game right now. And if Ohio state won, it would obviously be good for their metrics. So it would probably stay a quad one game. Like, you know, if, like if Nebraska loses it and so it wouldn't really like hurt Nebraska in a big way. Um, I don't think as opposed to the other two after it, like this is a game where it's more, I would hate to use the term house money game because you're playing for the double buy and all that stuff. And like you say, you're very much playing for that, like kind of stamp, like, okay, what do you got to say now sort of thing? We beat Ohio state. That's another quad one win. Um, but it is definitely a game where I, I feel like for the first time in like five games, Brunts to me watching it, there's a little less tension if they lose it, if that, you know, like as far as, and I don't want to open the door like that. That's okay. Like, <laughs> come on, keep, you're lower than the bar, not, Brian. No, yeah, you gotta, not okay. But you know what I mean? By yeah, that. I do. Yeah. Um, so, and I think the double buy is a worthy pursuit too. back to that. And so the, this game means a lot for that because I do think, um, it, you know, you need at least two of the last three and here's a chance to get one of them. Um, by the way, real quick Wisconsin, I made it seem like they just have a cakewalk. They don't, I mean, they, they, Indiana could help Nebraska. It's at Indiana. They're not playing well, but if Indiana could, uh, uh, you know, scuff up Wisconsin and then Wisconsin plays Illinois at home. So tough game Rutgers home. They should do it, but then at Purdue, so they could, they could get beat a couple of times, but yeah, I think this game at Ohio state, I mean, it's an interesting one because the Buckeyes are trying to play their way into the conversation a bit and they've got an interim coach in Diebler and there's like juice around like maybe he's the guy you know maybe they found a little something they had because they won against purdue and now they won at michigan state so it's kind of a fun game because it doesn't feel like the weight of the world is on nebraska's shoulders going in but ohio state's playing for a lot nebraska's obviously playing for something it should be a pretty intense atmosphere yeah and and it's i mean two weeks ago you would not have expected that at all but i mean credit to ohio state for kind of playing the way that they have with a uh with an interim head coach. It feels like it feels like in college sports now, it when you have a, a, a change that early in the season or that you know, when the season's still going on, it just feels like it's so easy to just pack it in, you know? And I know you don't do that as a competitor or whatever, but um I, I don't know. I mean I that was a team that I, I I think, you know, they're not lacking for talent either. So having a little bit of uh, extra motivation was maybe not a good thing for any team going in there. I had um 24 seven sports at a preseason poll and they asked me to pick teams. Uh, everybody in our league did it. 
from our sites and I had Ohio state as like a top five or top six team in the league before the year. Cause I, I thought they were picking up steam last season and yeah, with their talent, when their talent is on, they're very tough. Bruce Orton's very good guard. Jamison battle um, is a guy who can go get 20 points on you. Um, so they're, they're, they're a tough squad, but you know what? Nebraska right now has such a confidence to them. Um, I, I, I don't discount what they can get done there. And now they've won one on the road at Indiana. Um, and so you've got that monkey off your back and, um, you know, maybe they play with a little bit, uh, of, of looseness, you know, going into that game, um, you know, realizing like, you know, we got this, we got this where we want it. We kind of know what everybody's role is. Let's get, just go do it. And so, um, it's a huge deal that that Ofer conversation is out the window after the win at it, Indiana on the road. And now you can kind of just go play ball and not have that like hanging in the air. All right. Uh, do we, do we run a run quickly through kind of where things sit on uh, Tuesday morning, February 27th with, with some projections. Lenardi, I believe is not out yet this morning. Um, this is what my life has become. Um, so right now, bracket matrix with which tracks 107 different uh, publicly available brackets. All 107 now have Nebraska in the NCAA tournament. And last week when we did this little exercise, they were kind of on that 10 line, like 10-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the average seeding is 9.28. So the, the last week has done done Nebraska well, at least in terms of kind of the the, the composite of the uh, the public brackets. Um, let me throw two two matchups out there for you that are currently floating in the uh, in the ether and tell me what you think. All right. Nebraska as a 10 seed matched up against BYU as a seven seed in Salt Lake City. Do you like that oh. matchup? I mean, no, not compared to not playing a team basically in their backyard. No. Um, but uh, honestly, I like any matchup, right? You know, like I, I, I matchup guy. No, I mean, I'm just saying, like, th- this team I think is going to be so excited to go play, you know, like against whomever in that sort of setting um, that I, I really don't think there's going to be this. So like, woe is me. If it, once it comes out, if it is a viewed as a difficult setup, you know, or something like that, but on the surface, no, I don't like that because uh, just like I, I'm sure a seven seed wouldn't like it if they get sent to Omaha to play 10 seed Nebraska. Um, it'd be the, the same thought process there. One more for you. Nebraska is a nine seed in the East against Colorado State as an eight seed. I believe that would be played in Charlotte. So you're not getting the you, – you get the direct flight from Omaha, which is great. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, that's where it is, which I believe it is. Um, but Colorado State, which, uh, by the way, the Mountain West, 16 uh, – a six-bid league right now. Yeah. Looking like that's probably what the Big Ten is going to be. Yeah, probably at the moment. Um, I don't know if you watched – Colorado State this year, I have they they uh, they're one of the few teams that's actually beaten Creighton. They 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 uh, they got oh, Creighton yeah. early. They put season. it put it on them. Yeah, 
I mean, any of these games are you're going to look at the matchup. You're going to be like, okay, they got two or three dudes. You really got to be, you know, on the watch for, and and you are going to respect. And Colorado State's would be a formidable draw, but anybody's going to be at this point. So I, I would take that one any day of the week. You know, I saw one where it was like Nebraska, Florida Atlantic, or something, and that would be fun. You know, like FAU's kind of the darling um, school this year. That's not the big name program, and. Uh, I spent a little time in Boca Raton back in the day, so I, I would enjoy that one. Down, down in Boca, did mm-hmm. you? So, so what I'm hearing from you, you, you just don't care about NCAA tournament projections at this point. You just you're you're in I, or out. You don't care where they're going. They could be playing, they could be playing Duke in in Cameron, and you would be completely fine with that matchup, as long as, um, as long as they're in. I think, like I think. BYU Salt Lake would be a bad deal, like comparatively to others. But I, I'm just making the point, like, I think this is the type of roster to be like, okay, that's what it is. Let's go, you know? And um, when you haven't been around it in a while, um, you're going to be pretty enthusiastic about um, we're sending you to, you know, wherever Timbuktu will, will go. Um, and, and you're not going to complain too much. So I, I, I think that's the way this team will be um when that moment comes but it is interesting how they're improving their line seating a little bit potentially because i do think for a while people are like man how do how do they even move above this 10 seed category well if they just keep winning i mean who knows maybe you're like in that eight seed and um i don't know that they could work as high as like a seven but let's say they won out and you had like a great week in minneapolis weekend uh where you win a couple um maybe you you work that high so i I think that's sort of the max would be seven seed kind of the dream like they just really go on a tear and they keep winning but i right now if i had to call it i still think it'll be like a nine or a ten seed probably when it's all said and done but as long as they avoid dayton um let's do it that seems to be the i mean that's that's the big one that i mean they were kind of on a lot of last four in lists and and you know, some on some of the Dayton matchups. Um, I know CBS had them uh, playing Colorado and Dayton um, a couple weeks ago or last week, and and that's no longer the case. So if you can avoid that, that's great. Um, but yeah, a, a positive positive trending there at least according to uh, people that do this stuff every day. So I'm, I'm going to need you to to get a little bit more peppy with the the what ifs when, we, when it comes to bowl season. We're 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 gonna oh, yeah. we're gonna get that from you early on. I think. Do you have a favorite uh, matchup then, or something, or that's like kind of tickles your fancy? Uh, I don't love BYU. Um, I I think Nebraska. Like I like I was kind of saying earlier, I think if 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 they can use that big lineup to their advantage. I mean, at, at times against Minnesota, you had Mast out there with Alec, Gary, and Bryce Williams. I mean, that that's a there's, – there's not a lot of teams that are going to be able to put that kind of a physical lineup on the floor. And I, I, I think there's definitely going to be lineup or, or matchups that, that Nebraska is going to be – that find really favorable. I, I don't – I would not consider BYU one of them. Um, I, I think they would be okay to avoid that one, but you know, Colorado State, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that matchup. I mean, that's a veteran team, but I mean, I, I think Nebraska could get some stuff done there. So, um, you know, that that's kind of been the 
the one out there that I was kind of like, oh, all right, maybe um, with with the nine eight. So, um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I I'm I'm with you though. I mean, I I don't see from kind of where they are now things changing significantly without like a really serious deep run in Minneapolis. Yeah, I don't either. Um, it would be really hard to like play yourself beyond like the eight nine game. I mean, it it could be done. Like if you won out and like the rest of the regular season and your 13 wins in the league and you won two in Minneapolis or something. But um, I think that's kind of the positioning. And um, I guess I've sat in enough press conferences, uh, listen to Fred Hoiberg this year where I'm like, we're, we're not through February yet. Brunts. Like that's what he would say. <laughs> um, that's what he was saying after the, the, the other fun. day. So, let me have my fun. You, let, let I, me... It, yeah. Some people are trying to go to him with like the big picture questions and traits of his team compared to some of his other tournament teams. He's like, no, we're not going there, which is, which is how they got to be over there. I get it. Yeah. No, that's, that's all fair. I get that. Um, yeah. I, it, it's, I think it's more for the fans at this point to, to enjoy that stuff. And I, I'm definitely enjoying that stuff. By the way, Bart Torvik, uh, as of last night, uh, had Nebraska at uh, 92.5% chance to get in the tournament. They were they were in this in the 70s last week and, and even lower bef- the week before that. So it's uh, arrows up from Bart, just going up. It's good. I mean, uh, it, it, bottom line, just keep playing ball the way they have the last couple of weeks, and it'll take care of itself. I mean, that that's all the – the way they have to look at it. Um, they'll win a couple if they do that. Um, I'm not one of those that acts like uh, Michigan is you just say, okay, that's not whenever you go on the road, you got to handle your business. Like Purdue went to Michigan on Sunday and had half the arena was for Purdue. And uh, did, did you hear that by the way? Like they, I was like writing in the background. I hear the noise and I'm like, Oh, Michigan's on a run or something. It's like, it's all <laughs> Purdue fans there. Jeez. And yet, they had to kind of fight and win by eight points or whatever at Michigan. And so you got to know, like, nobody's going to give it to easy probably uh, the rest of the way. Um, and so uh, you've got to be dialed in every night. Anything else? I don't think so. I think, I think we've, uh, we've hit on everything we need to. Um, it'll be ne- interesting next week. We'll have a lot to talk about though. We'll have two games in the bank and uh, we'll see what Torvik says then. Yeah, I mean, uh, might be a hundreds, just all hundreds. That by if if things go well for Nebraska, these next two. Yeah, well, thanks for listening. Uh, that is the Husker twenty four seven hoops cast. We'll have a lot more, of course, with hoops. Um, a lot of football, baseball. Had a good weekend, so things are looking up around here. Uh, come back to Husker twenty four seven for all the latest. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.